when he first saw it. President Theodore Roosevelt said of the Grand Canyon, Leave this as it is. It cannot be improved upon. Mankind can only mar it. Which was to say that Roosevelt recognized that it was a natural wonder, a beautiful formation that needed to be protected from man and any future efforts to exploit it. If you've ever seen it in person, you would know that despite all of the stories, songs, and poems written about the Grand Canyon, no words can really describe it. And no matter how many pictures are taken, no photo can truly capture all of its beauty and wonder. Every year, nearly 6 million people come to see it. And some of those visitors never return. Many disappear without a trace, making it a place of both beauty and mystery. The Hopi Indians believed that the Sapapu, near the confluence of the Colorado River, is where man first came to earth after two god brothers created the canyon by hurling lightning bolts at each other in the swirling mud. In this episode, we will enter the Grand Canyon, explore its legends, and walk the paths and ride the rapids that hikers and visitors have vanished from. Case 1. Returning to Mother Nature. The Disappearance of Drake Kramer. On February 1st, 2015, a 21-year-old geology student from San Antonio, Texas, named Drake Kramer, disappeared in the Grand Canyon after he was last seen checking out of his hotel room at the Bright Angel Lodge near the south rim of the park. Despite his young age, Drake was described as an experienced outdoorsman and was at least somewhat familiar with the park as he had been there several times before. Prior to his trip to the canyon, he had visited with his parents, and the first strange twist in this story came in the time just before he vanished. Drake had sent a text message to his father, Robin Kramer, which read in part, quote, I'm at the Grand Canyon, and I need to give my body back to Mother Earth and set my soul free. After Drake failed to return calls or text messages for 24 hours, his family reported him missing. His car was found still parked at the Bright Angel Lodge, and in the first week of searching, park rangers and search and rescue teams covered 19 miles of ground, from Hermit's Rest on the west side of the park to the Grand View Trail, but found no sign of Drake anywhere. The South Rim area of the park is a tourist attraction and has hundreds if not thousands of daily visitors, but no one came forward to say they had seen Drake. Despite the search effort, no new leads or clues have emerged in the disappearance of Drake Kramer, leaving his family to guess what could have happened to him. He has always been a very loving and caring child, his father said reflecting on his missing son. He loves nature, and we're trying to believe that he wanted to be in nature and explore to be on his own and deal with whatever was going on in his mind. To date, his case remains unsolved, and authorities believe he was suicidal at the time he vanished. Masa is the Hopi god of death and is said to live somewhere in the Grand Canyon, perhaps as an explanation for those who go there and volunteer to end their lives for no understandable reason. Case 2, A Different Path, The Disappearance of Floyd Roberts It 
It was on Friday, June 17th of 2016, that 52-year-old Floyd Roberts set out for a hike in the Grand Canyon with his friends, Ned Bryant and Ned's daughter, Madeline. The group had planned on hiking the canyon for approximately nine days. Starting in a remote section of the west side of the park, near Shivwitz Plateau, and ending at Separation Canyon. It would be a difficult and adventurous trip, but the group was prepared and heavy with supplies. At around 4.45 p.m., at the 2.14 mile marker, Floyd mysteriously vanished. According to Ned and Madeline, when they got to a hill near Kelly Tank Lake, the trail split. One path led over the hill, the other went around the base of the hill, and eventually, the trail connected again on the other side. When Ned and Madeline reached the other side of the hill, they waited for Floyd, but he never came. Eventually, they hiked the contoured path Floyd took all the way back to their separation point, but found no sign of him. They camped at the spot overnight, even hanging their colorful sleeping bags over trees to make it easy for Floyd to spot their camp. But by morning, Floyd had still not shown up. Ned and Madeline then made the decision to hike back to an area with cell service, where they reported Floyd missing. Over the next several days, rangers and a team of experienced hikers set out looking for Floyd, extensively searching the trail with a canine team, but no trace of Floyd Roberts was found. When he was last seen, Floyd was fully prepared for the hike. He had a week's worth of food, two gallons of water, his camping supplies, and an outline map of the planned trip making it highly unlikely he had gotten lost. Also, at the time he vanished, Floyd was a teacher in Florida, teaching computer programming and game design to high school students. He was described as highly intelligent and had even once worked for NASA. Ned would later say that he had known Floyd for over 40 years, having met him in New Jersey when the two of them were both only 10 years old. Despite the fact Ned lived in Minnesota and Floyd lived in Florida, they remained close and had hiked the Grand Canyon several times before. This was made easier when Ned's daughter Madeline moved to Arizona. In fact, the three of them had actually gone on the exact same hike in 2011 that they were planning on taking when Floyd disappeared in 2016. This case remains open, the case of Floyd Roberts, a former NASA employee, computer programmer, an experienced hiker with a map and a week of supplies, who somehow disappeared while walking around the base of a hill on a hot day in the Grand Canyon. A hundred and twenty years ago, in 1903, a writer for the Arizona Republic wrote of an encounter he had with a Bigfoot-like beast while hiking in the Grand Canyon, possibly near the Shivwitz Plateau. He described it as a large beast, standing over seven feet tall with deep-set eyes and long white hair and a matted beard that reached its knees. It wore no clothing, but had a coat of gray hair covering its body, with only sporadic spots of dirty skin showing through. The writer said he watched as the monster slayed and drank the blood of two cougars before it let out an unearthly scream. A legend indeed, and if you believe it, it becomes another strange possibility to explain an experienced hiker and genius vanishing without a single trace. 
Case three, the vanishing at Pumpkin Spring, the disappearance of Morgan Heimer. It was on Tuesday, June 2nd of 2015, that a 22-year-old commercial guide named Morgan Heimer vanished on the sixth day of an eight-day rafting trip on the Colorado River in the Grand Canyon. As part of a guide group working for Tour West, they had stopped near Pumpkin Spring, a geothermal rock formation shaped like a pumpkin with bright orange rounded walls covered in vertical streaks down its sides. It is said the milky green water inside of the spring is dangerous as it contains high levels of arsenic, lead, zinc, and copper. It was on a side stream near the spring that the group walked their rafts to the riverbanks to stay. At the same time, nearer around 4 p.m., Morgan reportedly approached the lead tour guide and mentioned that he wanted to take some time off. Just then, one of the traveling members asked to speak with the lead tour guide. According to the guide, when he turned around, Morgan was gone. He assumed Morgan had went on a break, but no one would see him again. After the group had swam and ate dinner, they became concerned when Morgan had not been there for an extended period of time. And at 7.26 p.m., Morgan was reported missing. Park rangers, along with search and rescue teams, performed extensive searches of the river and land between mile markers 211 and 215, which included all of the surrounding areas of Pumpkin Spring, which is located at mile marker 213 on the river. Despite the vast search effort, no sign of Morgan was ever found. He was described as being six feet tall, with blonde hair and blue eyes, and last seen wearing a long sleeve shirt, a baseball cap, bright shorts, and flip-flop sandals. He was originally from Cody, Wyoming, and after the sixth day of fruitless searches, a pastor in his hometown held a prayer service for him, which over 100 people attended. All the scriptures are scriptures of hope, the pastor began, before quoting Isaiah 43. When you go through deep waters, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. The prayer service ended with a prayer message to God. We ask you that if Morgan is injured, that you watch over him and bless him with courage and endurance. Encourage him in his time of need. Lift his spirits and clarify his thoughts. Watch over him, for we are powerless other than to entrust him into your care until we are reunited. Eight years later, we're still waiting to know what happened to Morgan Heimer. There are plenty of spooky stories told of the Colorado River. It cuts through the southwest like a vein. It provides life where none is meant to exist. But it has its mysterious areas. Canyons where the sun never reaches. Deep caves and strange echoes and shallow graves. Reminding us that where there is beauty, there is also danger. Beauty and danger, two words that should not coexist, yet they almost always do. Take, for instance, the area known as Dead Horse Point, which is considered one of the more picturesque viewing spots of the river, where millions of years of water and wind have left their fingerprints on the walls of the canyons. 
But it's the origins of the name of that viewing area that reminds us of the danger and mystery there. Legend has it that cowboys use that very area to round up wild mustangs. Because of its steep surroundings, it made for a natural horse corral. But for some inexplicable and unknown reason, unthreatened, a herd of mustangs leapt off the cliff edge to their impending deaths below, where cowboys discovered the remains of horses who had likely taken the same suicidal leap into the gorge below, which leaves us to wonder, as we have in all of these cases, why? Case 4. The Disappearance of Glenn and Bessie Hyde Perhaps the most famous and creepiest disappearance case in the Grand Canyon occurred back on November 18th of 1928. On that day, newlyweds Glenn and Bessie Hyde had decided as part of their honeymoon to pursue the setting of a new speed record for traveling through the Grand Canyon, which would simultaneously make Bessie the first documented case of a woman to traverse the Colorado River. Glenn was noted as being an experienced river runner, having gone on similar trips on the Salmon and Snake Rivers in Idaho. The trip actually began several weeks prior on the Green River as a honeymoon adventure that turned into Glenn's pursuit of the speed record when they reached the Colorado River. Their boat, a 20-foot wooden scow named Rain in the Face, was homemade by Glenn with a flat-bottom design meant specifically for high-speed river running. It was more than equipped to handle the trip. The hide stopped on the river to resupply at Hermit Rapid. It was there that they met a photographer named Emery Cobb, who took several pictures of the couple before they set back off on the river, never to be seen again. On December 6th, when Glenn and Bessie did not arrive to meet Glenn's father, Rollin, in Needles, California, as planned, Rollin reported them missing. Two weeks later, during an aerial search of the Colorado River, a pilot spotted the Hyde's boat adrift near River Mile Marker 237. Recovery teams found the boat upright and fully intact, with all of its supplies strapped down inside, but Glenn and Bessie were nowhere to be found. Ironically, one of the searchers was Emery Cobb, who along with his brother Ellsworth, recovered the Hyde's camera and developed the remaining film inside. The film revealed that the final photograph taken by the Hides was near River Mile Marker 165. Also recovered from the boat was Bessie's journal, which indicated that they had successfully cleared the rapids at Mile Marker 231, which is just before the heavy rapids at Marker 232, which many theorized that is where they may have struck submerged rocks and been swept out of their boat. However, searches conducted there found no trace of Glenn or Bessie Hyde. In the absence of evidence, theories and tall tales of what happened to the Hydes still survive to this very day. One theory suggested that photographer Emery Cobb secretly murdered the Hydes for unknown reasons, as he was the last person to see the couple alive and was at the scene of their abandoned boat to recover their camera. This was bolstered when it was learned that Emery had found the boat days earlier, where it was tied by a bowline in an area known as Diamond Creek, near where it was found adrift. According to an unspecified report, 
Emery admitted to cutting the bowline as he thought the boat was hung up on rocks and wanted to pull it into the shore to make it easier to relaunch. If that wasn't strange enough, after Emery Cobb passed away in 1976 at age 95, a full skeleton was found in Cobb's home with a bullet hole in the skull. Many thought this may have been the body of Glenhide, which forensics later disproved. After thorough investigation, it was believed Cobb had acquired the skeleton when he was a county coroner jury representative, but why he had the skeleton in his home is unknown. In 1992, legendary Grand Canyon River guide Georgie Clark passed away. Noted among her possessions was a pistol, Glenn and Bessie Hyde's marriage certificate, and Georgie's birth certificate, which listed her real name as Bessie Duras. This, of course, led some to speculate Georgie was in fact Bessie Hyde. No explanation was ever given for why Georgie Clark had the Hyde's marriage certificate in her possession, and authorities did not pursue it. Somehow, the disappearance of the Hydes has become a legend in itself. People have claimed to have encountered an elderly woman living in the wilds of the Grand Canyon, claiming to be Bessie Hyde, and telling travelers a tale of murdering her abusive husband. One such story occurred as recently as 1971 and was covered by the LA Times when an older woman on a commercial boating trip claimed to be Bessie Hyde and told fellow passengers she had killed Glenn in a fit of rage. Reporters eventually tracked down that woman and she was later identified as Elizabeth Cutler. She denied ever making that claim despite multiple people on the same trip saying she had. Until anyone knows for certain what happened to Glenn and Bessie Hyde, we expect the theories and stories speculating as to their fate will continue on for generations. The Grand Canyon a vast wonder larger than the state of Rhode Island, cherished and protected by Theodore Roosevelt, a larger-than-life president with an aura and legend of his own. The Native Americans who called it home told great stories of its formation and the spirits that roam it. The hundreds of unexplained mysteries and disappearances that happened there that have lost logic in some way over the years. All of this makes for a mystery, and coincidences found almost always in twos. Was it random that each of these cases relate to the number two? 21-year-old Drake Kramer, 52-year-old Floyd Roberts, 22-year-old Morgan Heimer, Drake reported missing on February 2nd, 2015, Floyd vanishing in 2016 at mile marker 214, Morgan disappearing on June 2nd, 2015 at mile marker 213, and Glenn and Bessie Hyde, who disappeared in 1928. Near mile marker 237, Glenn was 29 years old, and Bessie, born on December 29th, was 23. Maybe it's just a coincidence in the specific cases we chose. Another legend or theory to contemplate in such a grand place, 277 miles long, 2,600 feet above sea level, and parts of which formed 
20 million years ago? Or is that all just a little too much? Hey, everybody. Lately, it's been a struggle for me to create content for this podcast, just with everything I have to get to in a single day. Life and work create challenges that can throw us all off balance. And because of that, I'm always looking for products that can provide a cognitive edge to keep my mind in that free flow state where focus and energy over an extended period of time is necessary. Well, recently, I started using a product called Magic Mind. It's a small shot of natural nootropics and adaptogens that reduce stress and improve physical and mental endurance while enhancing mental clarity and increasing your body's resistance to stress. I drink a shot of it in the morning, and the results last an entire day, without the jittery or anxious side effects of caffeine. So if you want to give this life hack a try, just go to www.magicmind.com disappeared, and you can get 40% off your subscription price for the next 10 days with my code disappeared two zero. That's D-I-S-A-P-P-E-A-R-E-D, the number two, the number zero. That code is also good for 20% off of a one-time purchase, and they offer a money-back guarantee. So you have nothing to lose and everything to gain just by trying it. 